Razzle. Thanks for coming and hanging out with me today. I am glad that you were here. Today I'm going to be talking some more about poop. Specifically, I'm going to be talking more about constipation. In the first part, I talked about what constipation is and why it's important to prevent it or treat it when prevention is unsuccessful. In the second part, I talked about chronic constipation. In this last part, I want to talk about treating constipation. Uh, so the first thing to consider for treatment is what is causing the constipation. Addressing the cause is going to lead to greater success rather than focusing on treating the constipation itself. There are times, however, that the cause cannot be removed, such as when the cause is a medication side effect from a medication that cannot be removed from the care plan. Uh, there are also occasions that the cause isn't known or there are numerous causes that are contributing to the constipation. In all of those cases, it's likely to be necessary to treat the constipation itself rather than the cause or in addition to the cause. And it's also important to know that in many cases, it's impossible to determine the cause of the constipation. So one cause of constipation that is often overlooked is the removal of the gallbladder. This small organ was once undervalued and frequently removed when a person developed gallstones. And now surgeons try to avoid the removal of the gallbladder because we have a greater understanding of its importance. When the liver makes bile, about half of it goes directly into the duodenum, while the other half is stored in the gallbladder for future use. When the gallbladder is removed, it makes it so that the body can no longer control the release of the bile in the duodenum. And this means that our bodies can no longer release the bile in response to the substances that are currently present in our duodenum. Um, the bile salts that are the main component of bile have a significant in impact on the motility of our gut and will affect how we're processing what's going through our gut. So if you've had your gallbladder removed, you might want to consider talking to your doctor about adding bile salts to your treatment plan. While bile salts are a available over-the-counter supplement, uh, you, I would still recommend that you discuss the specifics of your case with your gastroenterologist before starting them. This is per partly because there are conditions in which bile salts are not recommended to be taken, such as with liver disease. Um, it's also because there are multiple types of bile salts on the market that the FDA has approved for different uses. And those being sold over the counter are not the types of bile salts that have been studied and approved by the FDA. The kinds of bile salts that have been approved by the FDA are also those that require a prescription. So occasional constipation can usually be treated with self-care. Generally, if you are having hard stools or not had a bowel movement in three days, you can start by trying dietary modifications. Drink additional water, eat high-fiber foods. If this doesn't work for you, consider trying an over-the-counter fiber supplement, stool softener, or laxative. And if you're not sure which to try, consult with your pharmacist or doctor. Um, if you have any bleeding with your stool, you should talk to your doctor. You should also talk to your doctor if you're going more than seven days without having a bowel movement. If you have recurrent constipation, you should see your doctor for recommendations on how best to prevent the constipation and how to treat it during your episodes of constipation. Recurrent constipation is generally treated with diet changes that include increased water intake and high-fiber diet, and it also usually includes a fiber supplement. Um, sometimes you'll need to see a dietitian or a nutritionist to help you find your best dietary approach, and this is more likely if you have other medical problems. And a medical journal can be an excellent tool in helping you to establish an effective diet plan. 
Functional constipation requires medical management for successful treatment outcomes. Uh, Each type of constipation has different treatment approaches that are more likely to be effective. IBSC will also have a distinct treatment approach. However, there are some things that have been shown to be helpful in all types. In general, dietary change for are helpful in all types of constipation, and this includes increasing water and fiber intake. Uh, using a medical journal can reveal foods that are constipating to you as an individual rather than eliminating foods based on averages or generalizations. Food supplements are generally considered helpful in all types of constipation. However, it's important to consider the possibility of gastroparesis for those patients with slow transit constipation, as this common comorbidity would preclude fiber supplements as well as a high-fiber diet as they would exacerbate the uh, gastroparesis. If the person has been diagnosed with slow transit constipation, they should be screened for gastroparesis as well, especially if they have historically not um, seen improvement in symptoms with increased fiber intake. There's a lack of research to support that stool softeners improve any kind of constipation despite them frequently being used to treat all forms of constipation. And they're still being used in part due to stool softeners having a low risk profile. If a stool softener is tried and not found to be effective, it is important that it isn't continued simply as a matter of course, which is a common practice. While the risk profile is low, it is not fully without risk, and those risks can never be justified when there's no benefit being gained. When considering osmotic laxatives, Miralax and Lactulose were shown to have equal efficacy. However, Miralax is now over-the-counter, while Lactulose still requires a prescription. Uh, Miralax was associated with less gas as a side effect than Lactulose. Insurance coverage may also play a factor in which medication would be ideal, as most health insurance does not cover over-the-counter medications. However, being covered by the insurance does not mean that it will cost the patient less than the -the over-the-counter option. Slow transit constipation generally responds better to stimulant laxatives such as Ducalux and Senna, which are both available over-the-counter. It also responds better to prokinetic medications, which increase bowel motility, uh, such as metoclopramide or erythromycin. The prokinetic medications are good choices in the cases where gastroparesis is a comorbidity, as these medications are also used to treat the decreased motility of the stomach. Normal transit constipation does not show any difference in efficacy between the stimulant or osmotic laxative use. If the person has problems with electrolyte imbalance, an osmotic laxative should be avoided if possible. And an osmotic laxative works by drawing water into the bowel, uh, which can also lead to electrolytes being drawn into the bowel along with that water, which would then have it be flushed out of the body with the stool. Um, Additionally, osmotic laxatives should be avoided for those who have issues with dehydration or a diagnosis of postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Uh, Probiotics um, have been used to treat all types of constipation. The research uh, results on probiotics is unclear due to there being a lack of good data available to fully evaluate the effect that they have on the gut in context to constipation. It's unclear whether any one particular strain of probiotic is more effective than another due to the availability and uh, quality of the existing data. 
And until further evidence becomes available, the use of probiotics in the management of chronic constipation remains experimental. Because microbes used as probiotics already exist naturally in our body, probiotic foods and supplements are generally considered safe. However, it's important to know that they can trigger allergic reactions and can present an infection risk to people who are immune compromised. When treating defecation disorder, surgery is often needed when the cause is anatomical problems such as prolapse. However, having surgery to correct the anatomical problem does not guarantee the resolution of the defecation disorder, um, but the reason for this is unclear. Subtotal colectomy or removal of only part of the colon can be considered for slow transit constipation, but this procedure does not have a good long-term outcome. Uh, generally speaking, surgery just is generally not recommended treatment for constipation. Uh, when treating defecation disorders, it is often necessary to use suppositories and enemas to cleanse the rectum of stool. However, there are other treatments available, such as biofeedback, pelvic floor exercise, which are also called Kegels, pelvic floor physical therapy, or Botox. So in conclusion to all of this, I just want to make note that constipation is a complex medical problem that requires complex and dynamic treatment to reach optimal outcomes. However, it's a diagnosis that is all too often not taken seriously, resulting in adequate evaluation and treatment, which leaves many suffering when numerous treatment options have never been explored. So if you're one of the many people who suffer with chronic constipation, know that it is important to advocate for yourself and to seek care from a gastroenterologist rather than a primary doctor. So that's about it for my rambling today. Thanks for coming and spending time with me. If you like what you saw in the video, click on the like button. It really does help. And until we talk again, you guys be sure to take care of yourselves. Bye.